0: And fans, this is this the Devils Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast. brought to brought you to by, you the, by hockey the Hockey Podcast Network. Now, now here's your host, here's your host, host Neil Villapiano. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your boy. Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys, as always, are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day Check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And as always, guys, these episodes, as well as everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network, are sponsored by our awesome friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook with the NBA Finals well underway. And we are just another couple of days away from the start of the Stanley Cup Finals. And also the fact that baseball is into now the month of June. DraftKings is continuing to give you guys unbelievable opportunities to get huge, huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on this action, here's what you do. You go to DraftKings right now, you sign up, use our promo code THPN and tell them Neil Villapiano sent you. I hope you guys have really enjoyed the last two episodes prior to this one. Obviously, we got the great chance to talk to Ryan Carter, one of the one of the uh, three players on the CBGB line. It was a great interview. And also, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Brad Pack 63. And like I mentioned before, that's just, again, showing you that we are going to be having a lot of different people on the podcast here during the offseason talking about All different types of things and continue to give you guys the best content out there for New Jersey Devils based. And uh, again, thank you so much to Ryan Carter. Thank you so much to Brad Pack 63 as well for both of them jumping on the podcast. And I'm already having a couple of other guests that I'm setting up as well. So uh, looking forward to those interviews in the very near future. But for the first time in a while, I think it's been about... A week, a little bit more than that. Uh, you're just going to be hearing me. We have a lot to talk about today. We have a lot. We first are going to be talking about a player on the Devils, maybe not for much longer, but certainly who represents the New Jersey Devils, winning an award and being the first Devils player to ever win such a award. The next thing after that we're going to talk about is talking more about free agent Johnny Gaudreau and some interesting uh, insight that we got. And then finally, which you can see by the title of this episode, we got some bombshell news slash rumors over the last 24, 48 hours, which involved the Boston Bruins that could eventually involve the New Jersey Devils. So I think that's definitely something we got to keep in mind and I'm very excited to talk about all this. So as always guys, we have a bunch to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So the first topic of the day on the docket here of this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast is we are going to be talking about P.K. Subban. And we're actually going to be talking about something pretty remarkable that he was able to accomplish for not just himself, but also for the New Jersey Devils. On Tuesday night, this past Tuesday, the NHL announced the winner of the King Clancy Award. And for those of you that don't know about the King Clancy Award, it's awarded to, quote, a player or players who best exemplify leadership qualities on and off the ice and have made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in their community, end quote. And I am happy to report that the 2022 King Clancy Memorial Trophy Award winner is none other than devil's own PK Subban. Ryan Getzlaff and Darnell Nurse were the other finalists, but Subban who was a finalist for this award for the fourth straight year, all three years with the New Jersey Devils, finally gets himself this reward. And what's also awesome about it is that P.K. Subban becomes the first player in New Jersey Devils history to win this award. So Subban obviously, uh, you know, creating some history with getting this award. Subban's going to receive a $25,000 donation to benefit a charity or charities, plural, of his choice. And Pecarine, who won it last year and who P.K. Subban finished behind in second place for this award the previous year, was the one who announced that Subban was the winner. Now, here's a little bit more of a background uh, about Subban when it comes to his Off the ice stuff. And I wrote an article about this a couple months ago on Inside the Puck talking about why Subban has made such great contributions to the Devils when you look at it from the off-ice perspective. Because, again, we all know how difficult it was for him on the ice through the last three seasons here in New Jersey, but I wanted to shed some light on that. And now, with him winning this award, it sheds an even bigger light on how great of a person and how generous of a person P.K. Subban really is. So this is from an article, I believe this one was written by Amanda Stein of uh, NJD.tv. She wrote this, Subban has shown a commitment to Newark and the surrounding New Jersey area since he arrived and has a robust philanthropic history that accompanied him throughout his NHL career in Montreal and Nashville. In that time, PK's efforts have focused on three specific areas, community, philanthropy, and social equity. Subban brought his Blue Line Buddies program to New Jersey from Nashville, which connects local law enforcement and children from the community. The program was initially designed to help facilitate conversations and build trust between the two sides to better serve our communities and to open up difficult conversations society is currently having, the current conversations of social justice and social unrest. Over the past two years, Subban incorporated health workers who have worked tirelessly and sometimes thanklessly during the COVID-19 pandemic. PK continues to focus his efforts on social equity and change and has worked with the Devils, NHL, and the sports and entertainment worlds to continue his credo of, quote, change the game, end quote. Over the past year, Subet was named co-chair of the Player Inclusion Committee, or PIC, under the newly formed Executive Inclusion Council, or EIC. Compromised of NHL owners, former players, and team and league executives. He looks to develop action-oriented solutions that possibly impact the access, opportunity, and experiences that underrepresented groups have in the game. And it should also be mentioned as well, that when we had the Black History, when we were in Black History Month, and the Devils wore Black History Month warm-up jerseys, PK Subban was the one that really designed that whole logo and, and the whole design as well. So he was very much involved in that. So for PK Subban, again, that's just a small part of the many, countless things that Subban does for the you know in, in a positive way for so many people and and involving himself in so many different things. It just shows you that Subban is. One hell of a great human being. And look, say what you want about his on ice performance over the three years he's been in New Jersey. Say what you want about the reputation that he may or may not have created as a player, considering what he's done with quote unquote uh, slew footing. Um, but you can't deny that Subed is not a tremendous person. He has an unbelievable personality. We see him on social media. We see him over on ESPN during some of these games in the playoffs. He's just great. He's great for television. He's great for the game. He's great for promoting the game itself. And, and, it, and it's great. And the NHL is so lucky to have someone like him. And the Devils, from a community standpoint, from a social justice standpoint, and from all of that, The Devils were super lucky to have Subban for the amount of time that they did. And I think for Subban to be nominated four years in a row and to finally get this award, I think shows you just how well-respected in the communities, you know, plural, both, you know, in Montreal, Nashville, and also in New Jersey, shows you how valuable he is to so many different people and how many lives that he has definitely, um, definitely touched so he definitely deserves to win this award and i'm so happy for him i'm happy from you know as a devils fan that uh the devils organization now has somebody who has won this award you know for selfish 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 reasons but still i think it's phenomenal that suban was able to win this award and uh i mean it kind of ends the season on somewhat of a small high note with him achieving something that means so much more than just the simple game that is the game of hockey. So I'm, I'm very happy for Subban. Great way for him to most likely finish uh, his time with the New Jersey Devils, but he definitely deserves this award. Shout out to the Blue Line Buddies. That is a great great thing that Subban does, all the charity work that he does. Even still, he does charity work in Nashville as well as Montreal, and I'm sure he'll continue to do it here in New Jersey as well in the future. But again, congratulations to PK Subban for being awarded the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, again, awarded to a player or players who best exemplify leadership qualities on and off the ice and have made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in their community. So the next thing I wanted to discuss here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast is talking once again about Johnny Gaudreau. We all know, and you guys certainly know if you've listened to this this podcast long enough that I've talked about Gaudreau many a times and, why, and so many reasons why it makes sense for the Devils to go after him in free agency. All signs point to him most likely testing free agency and going from there. And if he does indeed decide that he's going to move on from Calgary and go somewhere else, the Devils make perfect sense. Now, I want to send a special shout-out to my good friend at devilscentral.nj on Instagram. Great, great person. Talk to them all the time. They were the ones that sent me uh, the, basically, the, the little part of an article that was written um, by Haley Salvain, who is a staff writer for the Flames for The Athletic. The Athletic, again, one of the best places to get you know great, great articles about all different types of sports. You have to pay a little bit per, uh, per month, but it, it's definitely, definitely worth it. I would highly recommend it. But Haley actually wrote this on Wednesday morning and it was titled if Johnny Gaudreau leads Calgary, where could he sign question mark five potential landing spots. And one of the five teams uh, is the New Jersey devils, which again, Should not really surprise anybody. And so shout out again to devilcentral.nj for sending me the part about the Devils. I want to read it to you guys so you guys can get an an idea. And uh, again, if you just search on The Athletic and go to like the Flames section of The Athletic, you'll find the article yourself and you can read it also. So this is what uh, Haley Salvain wrote about the Devils involving themselves with Johnny Gaudreau. New Jersey might be the most realistic option here outside of an extension in Calgary, or at the very least, the most seamless fit. They're an East Coast team with cap space, a talented young roster, a future star at center, and the desire to get better now. New Jersey is projected to enter the offseason with around $25 million in cap space and no real big contracts to sign. The only one is obviously, in my opinion, just for Brett. Jack Hughes is signed for $8 million over the next eight years. Nico Heischer is locked in. So is Dougie Hamilton. Miles Wood, Pavel Zaka, and Jesper Bratt are among the team's only notable RFA's this summer. The Devils have a ton of cap flexibility, given the only players signed past next season are franchise pieces. In other words, money shouldn't be an issue. New Jersey has the number two overall pick in the draft, but is ready to re-enter the playoff discussion after missing the postseason 10 of the past 11 years, including the last four. GM Tompenshield is no stranger to accelerating the rebuild process, like signing Hamilton to a long-term deal last summer. You don't sign a 28-year-old Norris-caliber defender to a seven-year, $63 million deal if you don't anticipate being competitive. The appetite is clearly there. That deal also serves as a very recent example of the Devils being a landing spot for big-name free agents. Adding a forward like Goudreau could only push them further down the line. Truthfully, they shouldn't be too far off. The Devils had a modest 50% of the expected goals at 5-on-5 this season, good enough for 15th in the league, and scored 2.71 goals per 60 at 5-on-5, which was 11th best in the league. What hurt them most was, shockingly, goaltending. A league-worst save percentage at 5-on-5, five 89.86%, five, and injuries, particularly with Hughes at the start of the year and when they shut him down near the end of the season. Capable goaltending is a top priority in New Jersey, either internally, via free agency, or the trade market. Still, their cap situation will allow the front office to not have to choose between a top-line player and a goalie. They could and should do both. Just imagine a top six that includes Goudreau, Hughes, Brett, Hesher, and Yurov Slavkovsky, or Shane Wright, or Logan Cooley, the top three prospects in the NHL draft. Some teams at free agency check one box, some teams check a couple, but the devils seem like they have it all when it comes to pitching a player like Goudreau. If you think Goudreau wants to cash in on his career year and play close to home with other elite players on a contending team, the Devils right now are as close as you're going to get. So, again, shout out to devilscentral.nj for sending me the, the part of that article involving the Devils. And shout out Haley Salbane for the article. Again, if you want to look it up on The Athletic, it's titled If Johnny Goudreau Leaves Calgary, Where Could He Sign Five Potential Landing Spots? So, once again, it is not a shock that the Devils are rumored and speculated uh, to be involved with Johnny Gaudreau. If Johnny Gaudreau does indeed decide to go to free agency and explore other options, the Devils, unless they make other moves to which that they don't need to get Johnny Gaudreau, you know, obviously other free agents, trades, and we're we'll talk we'll we'll talk about a specific trade in just a few short moments that could potentially happen, very unlikely, but could potentially happen. Um, The Devils should 100% go after Johnny Gaudreau. He fits exactly one of the biggest needs the team has, and that is consistent top six goal scoring. I mean, it's going to add to an already potent offense. We had four different 20-goal scorers. Johnny Gaudreau on this team by far would end up immediately becoming the best scorer on the team, and a guy who's been there, done that, has experience, obviously wants to compete for a Stanley Cup. And you don't know how much more time that window is for Calgary. And they do have the tough decision about how can they get both Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk to sign long-term deals and keep that core. They may very well have to choose one or the other. I think that's most likely what's going to happen. And I think it would be wiser for the, for the, Flames, especially if they want to get younger, to side with the younger Kachuk to have him for a longer time than what they probably would have with Johnny Gaudreau. Gaudreau, on the other hand, again, I'm sure would like to cash in on a career year, well over 100 points, a guy that would be an unbelievable addition to this Devils team. And like, and like the article mentioned, and like we've talked about many a times, the Devils have the cap space and they have the team that is ready and able to make a very long, consistent run when it comes to consistently playing in the playoffs and giving Johnny Gaudreau a longer window to try to go win a Stanley Cup. And maybe Gaudreau is one of those final pieces that we need. And again, They certainly have to go into the goaltending market and some other stuff like that. But getting Johnny Gaudreau would be another major statement to the rest of the league that the Devils are for real and they're ready to take that next step. So all in all, nothing that uh, Haley Salvain said surprises me. I think considering you have people of other teams also saying that Johnny Gaudreau to the Devils makes a lot of sense. I'm not trying to tell you to get your hopes up. I don't want you to get your hopes up. But again, you could just see all the the positives and very few negatives. And we talked about it last year when we were discussing about Dougie Hamilton. All signs pointed Dougie Hamilton signing with the Devils. And that's exactly what happened. Do I think it could happen again with Johnny Gaudreau? It's very possible. We'll see how likely it actually ends up being. But I wanted to read that to you guys because, again, More talks with the Devils being involved and should be involved in potentially signing Johnny Gaudreau and bringing him back to the Garden State. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the last, and in my opinion, the biggest topic that we were going to discuss here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast is talking about what is going on in Boston, especially over the last 24 to 48 hours. This was certainly something that I ha- was not prepared to talk about, obviously, when, uh, when I was writing my script for this episode. But in many ways, I'm glad that it did come up because it's good for conversation and it's something to just keep in mind, you know, moving forward. So let's get this, let's get this rolling here. On Tuesday evening, we got some very shocking news involving the Boston Bruins. The first bit was that the Bruins announced during the afternoon that they had fired head coach Bruce Cassidy after six seasons behind the bench. Although general manager Don Sweeney. Still remains, which after talking to several Boston Bruins fans and some Bruins podcasters, a lot of people are not too thrilled that Bruce Cassidy ends up being the scapegoat for the lack of championship success that the Bruins have had over the last five to six years, a lot of people are pointing the fingers directly at Don Sweeney and saying he's the one that got us into this quote unquote mess that some Bruins fans have called it and that Bruce Cassidy is a damn good head coach and Bruce Cassidy is. And it's again, it's a shocker. And it, it, and now uh, Bruce Cassidy becomes another coach in this crazy coaching carousel with currently six teams. Um looking for a new man behind the bench. Now, Don Sweeney said this in a statement after the announcement of Cassidy being fired. It starts, quote, today I informed Bruce Cassidy that I was making a change, end quote, Sweeney said in a statement. Next quote, quote, after 14 years working with Bruce, this was an extremely difficult decision. I want to thank and acknowledge Bruce for all of his work and success with the Bruins organization. His record for the Bruins is impressive, and we are appreciative of Bruce both professionally and personally. After taking some time to fully digest everything, I felt that the direction of our team for both this season and beyond would benefit from a new voice. And that was kind of... um, one of those obvious you know reasons that people will end up saying why they fire a good coach like when Barry Trotz got fired from the Islanders it's they wanted a new voice and talking about it from the devils perspective the frustration continues to boil over for a lot of fans to say all of these good coaches are getting fired but yet we still have Lindy Ruff, dot, dot, dot. Now, if you listen to the episode with Brad Pack 63, episode 68, you know, he kind of talked about it as well. We talked about Lindy Ruff, and we all acknowledge that Lindy Ruff is not going to be here long term, and that the Devils very likely will probably have a new coach next season, unless the the Devils go and win the cup next year, which even then, you know, it may not be, uh, he may not stay. You, You never know. You never know. But I think when you look at it and you see that there are so many now former head coaches being available and there's so many different spots, I mean, you'd have to think that there's going to potentially be some guys that who are former head coaches that maybe could come in as an assistant for a year or two. I'm not saying that Bruce Cassidy would be over the moon to join the Devils as an assistant under Lindy Ruff, but if he doesn't have any other options and wants to keep coaching in the league, it's something to keep in mind. But I do want to mention this as well. I want to mention this. ESPN was talking to Emily Kaplan, who covers the NHL for ESPN. They were talking to her prior to Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Rangers and Lightning, and she was talking about Bruce Cassidy, and she said, according to her sources, that there are now potentially some teams who don't are not currently looking for a head coach that very well could change their mind. And I honestly believe that the Devils are one of them because according to some of the things we have been told, there is still always the possibility that the Devils could keep Lindy Roth, maybe promote him to a different role within the organization and hire a new head coach. I think now, considering that we're into June, I think the chances of that are pretty slim. The Devils could still, again, also be waiting to see what other coaches get fired before they make a decision. But it is something to keep in mind to believe what Emily Kaplan says. And Emily Kaplan, very reliable, very, very good. So I believe a lot, I believe what she is saying. I think there's a I think there's some truth to it. So again, I don't know what Bruce Cassidy, uh, what his situation will be. I'm sure that there will be a handful of teams, certainly the majority of the teams that are looking for a new head coach. Um, I'm sure that they will be looking at Bruce Cassidy and potentially uh bring him in for an interview. And going from there but we haven't had a whole lot of announcements when it comes to new coaches in the nhl for those six vacancies right now but i would imagine over the next couple of weeks certainly once the regular season comes to an end you know we'll start to get guys getting hired and we'll have a better idea as to who will be available because the devils are also looking for a couple of new assistant coaches as well so they're kind of involved in this to a much lesser extent but could they bring in Um, you know, former head coaches to be assistants, it's always possible. So I wanted to bring that up uh, first. But the other reason I wanted to bring that up is because it has a lot to do with the next piece of news that we got. The next piece of news we got from Boston was that David Pasternak, the star winger for the Bruins, could potentially be on his way out of Boston sooner than a lot of us think. This was according to an article that was written by Fluto Shinzawa, a Bruins senior writer for The Athletic. Again, The Athletic does a really good job of posting really, really good articles. You could could just go to the Bruins section of The Athletic, like I told you with Calgary, and you could find this article that starts with a David Pasternak trade and a rebuild looming for the Bruins. I believe that was the majority of what the article was called. But In the article, it not only said that the Bruins would look to trade Pasternak, but that Pasternak also, according to a source close to Shinzawa, Pasternak has no intention of re-signing with the Bruins as long as Don Sweeney remains general manager. So from that report... We are getting the assumption that Pasternak does not like Don Sweeney. It also went on to read that Sweeney was upset with the way guys like Tori Krug were just allowed to leave and they didn't even make an attempt to try to keep them. And that Pasternak was upset that Sweeney was just getting rid of his, his friends, as they put it. But it, it was certainly a shocker when that came around. It certainly was. Uh, Posternak will be on the final year of a six year, $40 million contract, um, and he will be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. So, right off the bat, before I continue, if the Devils really wanted David Posternak, like really wanted him, they probably would do better waiting for him to reach free agency if he gets there. But if the Devils can get him for a decent price, I mean, I would be all over that. Now, Here's some other information that I wanted to point out as well, because this will, I'm reading this information, which was on Wednesday. This episode will be out Thursday, so it'll be a little bit more um, visible for everyone to see. According to TSN on Wednesday, JP Barry, who is the agent for David Posternock, denies a report from The Athletic, that specific report, that his client would seek an exit should Zon Sweeney remain general manager of the team. And uh, I believe. Uh, JP Barry also said that the relationship between Pasternak and Sweeney is pretty good. Now, here's a quote from JP Barry: "Quote: I spoke with Don and David this morning, and we don't know where this report emanated from." Barry said, "We both have a solid relationship with Don, and the plan hasn't changed one bit. We will sit down in July and begin begin extension negotiations." Now. I believe the reason why nothing has happened when it comes to negotiations is because I don't think they're technically allowed to talk to them until the NHL flips its calendar to the 2022-23 season. So I think that's partially why nothing has happened. Same thing with, with I think, Jesper Bride I think we're kind of just waiting till the Devils can officially, you know, do the negotiations and finish the contract. That's the way that I look at it. Um, and so just looking at that, you look at that first report and then you have the, 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 uh, the agent of Pasternak denying it, I think it, it makes a lot more sense to believe that he probably won't be on the way out. However, you do have to look at it as well and say, Pasternak is going to get a huge amount of money once he becomes a free agent, uh, whether that's from Boston or from someone else. The other thing is this now with Bruce Cassidy out the door and reportedly they're not looking for somebody they're they're not looking they're not entirely looking for a guy who who may have experience as a head coach they may find a first-time guy. And with the uncertainty of Patrice Bergeron potentially retiring, you know, you don't know, the, the Bruins may be in a situation where this championship window may be closed and then it may be time to actually rebuild. Now, certainly trading Pasternak, if the Bruins were to do that, would certainly, you know, would certainly expedite that rebuild. They would get a pretty decent amount from whoever. And the New Jersey Devils, Again, not surprisingly, have a lot to offer the Bruins, maybe more than most teams. They offer cap space, obviously, which, again, I think the Devils, if they were to acquire Pasternak, it would make sense for them to try to do a sign and trade, like trade him and immediately sign him to an extension which, you know, will happen behind the scenes before the trade is even announced if indeed uh, we do have that. But we do have draft picks. We have the second overall pick in this year's draft, which could be very enticing. And we do have prospects. And again, as we know, Fitzgerald has talked about that the second overall pick is indeed available if, if the right player comes along. Is Pasternak on that list of guys that are worthy of the second overall pick to be traded for. I'm sure he wasn't on that list originally, but maybe if he is indeed available, Fitzgerald will rework that list and put Posnuck on there as well. And I said it and I'll say it again. If Posnuck is indeed available, the Devils would be nuts not to make a move for him. Pasternak is in the prime of his career. He plays a position of need on our top six, him being the perfect guy for either Nico or Jack Hughes. It would be unreal. This guy is a superstar in the league can put the puck in the back of the net consistently and would elevate the devils to another level, there's no question about it. And the devils could also afford a long-term extension. If that, you know, if, and when they have to do that. Pasternak is a two-time all-star He's also the 2020 Rocket Richard Trophy winner. He has 240 goals, 264 assists in 510 games at the age of 26. And as I mentioned before, the Devils can give him the contract that he wants, and they have the assets to make it worth the Bruins' wild. Make it worth their wild 100%. Now, another person I want to shout out is Nick Villano, uh, one of the very good writers for Pucks and Pitchforks, which covers the New Jersey Devils. Shout out to all those guys. He wrote an article with three trade proposals to potentially acquire David Postonok, and I wanted to go over all three. The first is the Devils acquire Postonok in exchange for the second overall pick, Yegor Sharangovich and Nolan Foote. I will say this. It would obviously suck to lose Sharangovich because he is a consistent top six, you know, winger, and obviously it would would suck to lose him to acquire someone like Postonok, but still... You know, you'd have to make that move if the Bruins are looking for an NHL-ready player, a prospect, and certainly a top three pick. I mean, they could easily draft Slavkovsky with number two, and they could—they would be able to replace Pasternak with Sheregovich and then Slavkovsky long term. So, then and, and, and again, Sheregovich and Foot are not making a whole lot of money right now. So, again, the Bruins would definitely uh, take a bunch of caps. They would definitely earn a lot of cap space by making that move. And I guess considering the fact that the Devils have other top prospects like Alexander Holtz, Shashir Mukamadoulin, Luke Hughes, to just name a few, Arseny Grzyuk, for them, if the Devils were to make this deal, if this is the exact deal that happens and we don't don't give up any of those guys, I mean, that's great. That is great. But I don't think the Bruins would be dumb enough – to do to to take that deal, but maybe they maybe it's not. And again, Brad Pack did mention that usually in these trades for for star players, it's never exactly what you think or what we're reportedly hearing and stuff. It ends up being in most cases less than what you you expected, and then you know, you kind of go from there. Now, the second trade that Bellano put out was the Devils acquired David Pasternak and Nick Foligno for a 2023 first, which would be unprotected. So basically the Devils 2023 first round pick Alexander Holtz and Miles Wood. Now, the reason that this could be more enticing is that while the Devils still keep the second overall pick for this year, they would have to give up Alexander Holtz, who still has yet to prove himself in the NHL, but you know him being the former sixth overall pick in in 2020, a guy that could very well be a dominant player in his own, who even he said he models his game after a guy like David Pasternak, it would be a hard pill to swallow. But again, it's the price you pay to get a guy like that. And also losing Miles Wood because he brings that speed and physicality that a lot of times we lack. Nick Felino, while he can be very physical and be grinding out forward, doesn't have the same speed and youth that Miles Wood has. Although adding Felino would certainly bring some veteran help to the bottom six and just helping out the team in general, to which Felino can play, I believe, both the center and the wings. And uh, that, that could obviously work out as well. But uh, that trade would be just if you if the Devils wanted to try to keep the second overall pick. Now the third trade is probably the most interesting. The Devils acquired David Pasternak and Jake DeBrusk, who the Devils have been rumored with before, and is still looking like he wants out of Boston. And the Bruins get the second overall pick this year, a two, uh, and also our second and fifth. This year, as well as a 2000, as well as our 2023 first, which is top five uh, protected. So that is instead of giving up prospects, you're giving up multiple first round picks, which also if the Devils were to do. I wouldn't necessarily be against it because, again, you're adding David Pasternak, a superstar winger for Jack Hughes or Nico Kishere, and Jake DeBrusque, who can score at his own right and be a top six winger for Jack Hughes or Nico Kishere as well. And he's also a big body guy who can bring physicality, which is obviously something the Devils would love to have. So if I were to look at at these three offers, I would say if the Devils were able to acquire Pasternak and DeBrusque for the picks that I just mentioned, that would be the best one because of getting Pasternak and also getting DeBrusque as well if the Bruins can't find a way. Um, But again, I'd like to probably ask Bruins people what they think. I think most of them would probably not even consider talking to me about a Pasternak trade. But again, the news came out there. We're not 100% sure what is true and what's not. I think with the fact that Pasternak's agent came out and said that the relationship between him and Don Sweeney is good and that they're going to be talking about a contract extension tells me that it's probably not going to happen at all that he gets dealt. But if contract negotiations fall through and nothing gets established, the, the devils could very well circle back to this and go from there. But again, you don't want to wait around for that either when you have other options, like we just mentioned, Johnny Gaudreau a Philip Forsberg or making a trade for somebody else that could also be beneficial. And the Devils, again, they also have the second overall pick, which I think most likely they will end up keeping unless they get a draft day deal done. So. All of this is speculation, as we all know. Rumors are going to be flying out left and right. But it's exciting to hear the Devils, you know, being mentioned with big names like this to get us thinking, to get us discussing. So, as always, guys, let me know what you think of all this, both on Twitter, at Devil State, and also on Instagram at Devil's State of Mind. Nothing. I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll be very, very honest with you guys. I'd be ecstatic if we could get David Posnock. It would be great to get some pasta with a side of the New Jersey Delos.